Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney, the host of How They Love Mary. Many of you know of my great love for sock religious. During the month of January, on January 28th, we celebrate the memorial of St. Thomas Aquinas, who is one of the greatest thinkers in all of Catholicism. He gave us a multi-volume Summa Theologiae, which has been used by academic theologians for years. He gave us the five proofs of God's existence. He wrote the hymns for Corpus Christi. And now you can honor St. Thomas Aquinas on your feet, because sock religious have a wonderful sock of St. Thomas Aquinas. On the bottom of the foot, it says, Non nisi te domine. Nothing but you, Lord, recalling that prayerful moment St. Thomas Aquinas had before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. I hope you'll head over to Sock Religious by using the link in the show notes and get your pair of St. Thomas Aquinas socks so you can celebrate his feast day in style. Now on with today's show. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today, I am speaking with Colin Nakaza, and I met him a few weeks ago out at the Chosen premiere in Washington, D.C. at the Museum of the Bible. So the little PR team brought together a bunch of Catholics, and so I got to meet Colin and spend a few days with him and with other uh, Catholics, and it was a great experience. And so we be befriended each other, of course, on Facebook, and I see his content. And this is another interview brought to you by social media, because I saw a post of his, and I said, that's great. We should talk about that. And so we'll get to that in the latter portion of our conversation about Our Lady and mental health, which I think is a very important topic for us to talk about, uh, just because mental health is a serious issue, and uh, a lot of people are talking about it these days. So welcome to How They Love Mary Colin. Hey, Father, thanks for having me on the show. Well, it's great to have you, great to connect with you, and I've loved already following you on social media since we were together in D.C. You've been to the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico for the feast day, which I'm very jealous of. I'd love to make it there. Did you participate in Las Mañanitas and all that stuff? Uh, no, I mean, this was my first time in Guadalupe. It was a really powerful experience. Got to spend a lot of time in front of the Tilma. If you haven't gone, I strongly recommend it. Our Lady's motherly love is very present there. And you've been to a lot of Marian apparition sites. Actually, we were talking just a little beforehand, and you mentioned a few of them, one of them an alleged apparition site in Medjugorje, and, and you've been to others, I take it, is that right? Yeah, I spent a lot of time in Lourdes. I actually, when I was in my seminary years, I was able to uh, volunteer in Lourdes and help bring people to the shrines and give them tours. I've also been to Fatima, uh, and as you mentioned, I've been to Medjugorje, it's it's so beautiful because each place has like a charism, a unique charism. You know, it's like with Fatima, we know it's a lot about reparation. So it's a little harder of an experience at times, though very beautiful. And you can absolutely feel our, our, our lady's presence there. Lourdes, it's about healing. So it's amazing the the, the uh, what I've felt there in Lourdes. It's just the, the healing of my heart and, and, and emotions in many different ways. And the Medjugorje, it's all about peace. 
and you can literally feel her pee. So it's very interesting going to the different sites because you can you can feel our lady's uh, presence in different ways. I'm curious, have you made it to Champion, Wisconsin yet, to the apparition site here? I have not, but I would like to go, for sure. And of course, when you do come, look me up. I live 25 minutes from the shrine there in Champion, and would love to connect with you there and to show you uh, this very special Marian shrine. Now, you said something interesting as you were talking about those apparition sites, is that during my time in the seminary, now you're a layman right now, you work for the Archdiocese of New York, so tell me your story. You went to seminary and then felt God wasn't calling you to be a priest, uh, and you withdrew then. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, so it's been quite a journey. Uh, helicopter view, I so basically sophomore year of college, I had a very powerful encounter with Our Lady. I was cradle Catholic, grew up Catholic, uh, believe, but you know, like many, I, I was doing a lot of stuff that I wasn't supposed to be doing, so I wouldn't uh, wouldn't have said that, that I was necessarily a big faithful Catholic. But uh, around sophomore year of college, I had a very powerful encounter of Our Lady uh, through the intercession of Our Lady of Fatima. And during that time, and I'm not a mystic, I didn't hear her or see her or anything like that, but it was just a very, um, just, I really encountered her love in a very unique, powerful way, and it just knocked me off my feet. And during that period of time, I went to Padre Pio's canonization, uh, this, so this is, like, I guess, 2003, and had a similar experience with Jesus in the Eucharist in the House of Loretta. The House of Loretta that was moved around a bunch with the through angels and landed in, in Loretta, Italy. If you don't know about Loretta, I strongly recommend you guys uh, look it up. It's a really beautiful story. But in the midst of that, that summer, I decided to enter the seminary. So I entered the seminary for four years. Then I felt being let out. And uh, for for two years and I, I ended up living in philly i started giving talks uh, at that time with generation life on chastity sexual morality theology of the body pro-life issues uh that i felt called back in and i was back in for three more years and then after third theology uh just jesus and mary made it very clear that they had other things for me to do and i left right before diaconate and then six months later i got hired by the archdiocese of new york as the young adult director and i've been here for 10 years so god and mary threw me in the middle of manhattan and i've been here ever since it's been it's been quite a journey what diocese did you study for what seminary did you study at so i was for the bridgeport diocese in connecticut so i did my minor seminary at st john fisher in stanford connecticut and then i did the major seminary in mount st mary's in emmitsburg maryland uh, which is a beautiful place. You know, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Shrine is there. It's, there's a grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes there on Our Lady's Mountain. It's, uh, it's really a beautiful place. You mentioned Our Lady of Loretto, and that is a story that I want to share on the podcast. Probably next December, I'm going to plop that in my calendar. I know that a few people have written books about Our Lady of Loretto. Uh, I'm not really sure about the whole the angels transport the house thing, so I, I'd really love to hear someone explain it to me. I haven't done too much inquiry into it myself, but this is a new feast that Pope Francis added to the liturgical calendar just a few years ago. It was for the Jubilee year of Our Lady of Loretto, and so uh, he added this feast, and now on December 10th, so kind of in the middle between December 8th and December 12th, Our Lady of Guadalupe, we have another Marian feast to celebrate and our lady of loretto is the patron saint of pilots and flight travel because of allegedly the angels moving the house and and, and whatnot but i just saw on the feast of our lady of loretto on facebook someone commented you know this is like assisi this is a very special place you experience profound peace there 
And I know that Kiara Lubick, who is the founder of the Focolari movement, actually prayed in Loretto and had this very powerful experience there in the house of Mary. And that really shaped her whole theology and her whole life and ministry, actually. So it has been a place of grace for so many people. Yeah, when I went there during the during the canonization, we got to hit a CC and all these different uh, pilgrimage sites while I was there for the week, week and a half. And yeah, when I was when I went into the house, I can I can appreciate what people are saying about. It. I experienced tremendous peace, tremendous love, uh, especially during the mass and the Eucharist uh, with Jesus and Our Lady. It was it was a really powerful experience. So there's a few things I want to talk to you about. Uh, I thought we'd talk a little bit about The Chosen since we met at a Chosen event. And then secondly, I thought we could talk a little bit about what you do in the Archdiocese of New York. I saw an event you just had, which was pretty cool, I thought. And then thirdly, we'll talk about Our Lady and Divine Mercy and mental health. And so we met at The Chosen event, and I'm just curious, you know, what are your takes on The Chosen? on the two different seasons of The Chosen. Uh, yeah, what are your takeaways from it? What, and why should somebody watch it? I love The Chosen. I strongly recommend it to anybody. You know, when it comes to, like, Christian films and movies, a lot of the time, uh, just due to budget reasons and other things, they're not necessarily always done that well, And uh, to, to be honest about it. And there's something about The Chosen that it's just written well. The acting is is really good the quality is good it's solid it's really sticking to the, the the story of the gospel and everything that's happening in the gospel and it, you know for me it was really a strong impact because you know I, i've done seven years in theology and seminary and so i you know i've encountered jesus mary in very powerful ways but the beautiful thing about the chosen is that you kind of get a good glimpse of like what it could have been behind like like behind the scenes you know like i was very impacted when uh, they, they just keep showing the apostles and, and Jesus out there and they're like camping. And it's like, oh, yeah, of course they're camping because like they're just the moving from site to site and just like the interactions that are happening during the walk between the places. Like we're all familiar with the big stories, you know, when when Jesus is healing someone or raising someone from the dead or, uh, the, you know, the wedding feast at Cana. We're, we're familiar with the bigger um, story, uh, you know, encounters in the gospel, but this does a lot of the behind the scenes on, on the way to those places, which I thought was really beautiful. And just the way, I mean, Jonathan Rumi, who's, who plays the Jesus character, really portrays Jesus in a really powerful, beautiful way. Um, and it's just a beautiful work of art. I mean, as we know, art and, and music and films, and it, it can really help you bring a closer encounter to, to Jesus. And I've definitely experienced that with The Chosen, by the way it's written, by the quality, by the acting. And, uh, and of course, just by, I mean, just when you, when you explain the gospel to people in an artistic, beautiful way, it's attractive. So I strongly recommend it to people. Yeah, one of the things I like to say about the shows is that if this wasn't the reason why Jesus did something, well, I wish it was, you know, because it's so believable. And there was one story that really struck me in a powerful way was the paralyzed man who's been trying to get into the pools of Bethesda for so long, and he crawls to the waters, and Jesus comes to him, and and uh, Jesus tells him to pick up his mat and, and all of these things. And then you find out at the end of the story, well, as Jesus heals him, well, the man goes in search of his brother, who's also in the area, and his brother was going to really murder someone as a, kind of a contract killer. But because he saw his brother, who hadn't walked since childhood, and now was walking in the streets, 
he doesn't kill the person. He walks away. He embraces his brother. And at the very end of that episode, they, uh, the apostles say, well, Jesus, why did you have to heal on the Sabbath? And he said, sometimes you just have to stir the waters. And I just thought it was a very powerful thought. And then the next uh, episode automatically goes right into Jesus being the Lord of the Sabbath. And so it's not like that was lost, but there was another story behind him being Lord of the Sabbath. So I found that to be a very powerful uh, scene uh, in the second season as I was just watching it a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's incredible. There's there's so many little parts. Like I love with like Nicodemus, the Nicodemus character in the first season, the way that he struggles, the way he's getting the pressure from the other Pharisees and the scribes about to try to really get away from Jesus. And but his encounter with Jesus had such a profound impact on him. And and it, it, you know it just shows the humanity of somebody who's encountered Christ, but is still very caught in the way of the way they've been living and very caught in the way of the world and how people look at him. And you can see that struggle without giving too much away between like Nicodemus trying to make a decision. And it's just, it's beautiful. Cause I think he, I think in all, all the characters there, I think Nicodemus represents most of us, you know, just really trying to be faithful to God, but also recognize like just also being caught in the world and caught in our, in our families and relationships in a, in a way that might, uh, had a lot of tension between what Jesus might be asking of us. Uh, so yeah, there's so many things like that in The Chosen that are, are really well done. One of the reasons why you were invited, I think, to The Chosen event in Washington, D.C. with the talent and, and to see this premiere was part of your work in the Archdiocese of New York with young people. It seems that you're the director of, of youth and young adult ministry, and you just had a major event there in December. It was on a holy day, on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And in this event, you had a young adult mass, which I thought was a great idea, bringing together young people. And people are gathering again, even in the midst of the COVID variants and everything like that. But they were gathering at St. Patrick's Cathedral for mass as young adults to be a community that supports one another. But secondly, the Archdiocese closed the canonization phase of Dorothy Day, and so they were sending these boxes off to Rome. So can you just share a little bit about your work with the Archdiocese in New York? And then maybe secondly, why link those two events together, the Young Adult Mass and the Dorothy Day event, in one uh, singular event? Yeah, so I run the office of young adult outreach. So primarily, we we focus and reach out to and serve all young adults from like twenty to like forty, twenty to thirty nine, and it's the best job in the world. I literally get paid to be Catholic and just hang out with people my age. Uh, and so every first Wednesday of the month, we have a young adult mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral, and twice a year, His Eminence Cardinal Dolan uh, celebrates that mass. So this this was our big event with him in december he always does an advent mass and it was incredible we had two thousand plus young adults there it was the solemnity of the immaculate conception we had matt marr who's a phenomenal musician was leading us in our music sacred music uh during the liturgy and as you mentioned uh, i was reached out to from the dorothy day guild uh to see if we'd be willing to combine because we had the eminent, his eminence already celebrating mass, if we could combine the the close of the canonization process 
for, well, well, to start, I'm sorry, to, to close, to start the canonization process for Dorothy Day, uh, that at the same mass. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And so it was incredible. We had all of the, all of the documents that are going to be sent to Rome for Dorothy Day, uh, are, were at present at the mass. And there's a canonical, um, you know, basically uh, experience that's happening that, that happened during that mass. That's where his eminence closed the final box and there was, you know, signed all these certain things that would be going to Rome. And so it was all happening during the liturgy. And it's beautiful that it was combined with the young adults because, you know, Dorothy Day, uh, she started the Catholic Worker. She she worked a lot with young people and young adults and in service and in, in, in many different ways. And, you know, even in the Diocese of New York, and myself included, I don't know too much about Dorothy Day. And I think this was one way that God was kind of revealing to me, to be honest, and to others that he wants Dorothy Day to get m much more known out there. She did incredible work for the church. She's a local possible saint here in the Archdiocese of New York. And so what that really did was kind of shine a light on her. We had 2,000 plus young adults now who are going to be like, oh, I'm not, you know, some for sure knew who she was and, and know all about her, but I, I can you know, attested that there are many there who did not. And now they're like, oh man, okay, who is this Dorothy Day? And so they're going to start looking into her and praying for her intercession. Uh, it was an incredible night. It was really an incredible night. And that's what I thought too. I thought, wow, what an amazing thing to introduce Dorothy Day to so many people who may not know anything about her. If people want to learn more about Dorothy Day, she wrote her autobiography in The Lone Loneliness. I read a book by Kate Hennessy that was a tremendous introduction to me about Dorothy Day. Uh, and so just to learn more about this woman who really uh, gave her life and wanted to help the poor uh, in a very special and uh, unique way. And so, yeah, I, w I thought it was incredible too that you had Matt Marr leading you guys in prayer and in worship at mass so what an incredible experience now one of the things i realize with young adult ministry sometimes and and maybe you can identify with this is that in my work in the parish i feel like a lot of times we reach out to the young adults some of them might not be married or they're like kind of in that phase of wanting to make the next step in their vocation maybe to married life or discerning religious life or whatever but then you also, because you mentioned young adult 20 to 40, so now you have young adults who are in their 30s or 35, let's say, and now they're married, they have three kids. And so what does young adult ministry look like for a married family? Or do they move into a different section of ministry, do you think? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, it's very unique in, our, in the Archdiocese of New York here because we have, you know, Manhattan, you know, basically the capital of the world. And then we have Bronx and Southern central westchester and the mid counties and then we have like sullivan ulster and orange county which is basically farmland so it's like it's it's almost like three dioceses in one <laughs> it's and, it, and and the young adults there are very different right so like in manhattan it's very transient uh mostly young 20s early 30s who are really trying to make it in their careers um whatever they're doing and then they move on then in the mid counties there's a bit of a mix where people do stick around there uh, but it's but it's still similar to the city. But then you have the up, upper counties, which is more younger families. It's really young adults who uh, have found their spouse and they've gotten married and they have kids. So we have coordinators placed in each area to to hit the specific needs of that area. You know, we're blessed that His Eminence 
uh, recognize the importance of young adult outreach. He puts money into the program. So we literally right now have four, soon to be five, full-time uh, people on staff just doing young adult outreach, just reaching out to the age group. And they're placed strategically in each part of the diocese. And so it's both in. Like, really, all it really is about serving young adults is, you know, we want to connect them with God and we want to connect them with each other where they're at. So, you know, it may look a little different down in Manhattan. We do more, you know, sacramental opportunities, but going then right after to the bars and the restaurants around. Uh, similar also in the mid-counties, but there's a lot more to do there in the sense when it could come to hiking in different areas. And, and then in the upper counties, it's... You know, it's more younger families, though there are definitely, you know, single people up there as well. And it's just more about gathering the families together. So it's it's really just meeting where they're at in their state of life and then just serving, supporting, getting them together, helping them encounter God and helping them encounter each other. And one of the things I'm sure you encounter with young adults, regardless of what state of life they're in, is that there are some mental health issues going on. There's a lot of anxiety about different things in life. There's depression. There's some might be thinking or contemplating suicide. And so you have to address that. And and really, you've come to understand mental health, especially through through our devotional life as Catholics. And that's what led me to reach out to you to say, let's have this conversation. Because the other day on social media, you, you wrote this post. You said, more and more, I've been giving talks around the country on divine mercy, Our Lady, and mental health, especially focusing on those who may struggle with depression, fear, and anxiety. And so you started a small side ministry, Divine Mercy and Our Lady Ministries. So what is the connection then between our devotional life? So as you identify Our Lady and Divine Mercy, what's the connection between that and mental health? Sure, and all thanks for asking. So I recently discovered during the pandemic over the last year and a half that I have OCD, and I was probably born with it. I had no idea that I had it. it but the more that things are starting to happen to me internally uh, and emotionally, I recognize that there was something off. There was something wrong going on here. And, you know, basically, those who don't know what OCD is, there's a lot of misunderstandings out there of OCD. Like, people think sometimes it's just about keeping things neat or or needing to touch something before you walk out a door. Now, some people have that, and that's part of it, but it, it can really range from, from many different areas. So what was happening to me is that, you know, it's interesting that the human mind has as many thoughts a day as the human heart has beats. And we have hundreds and hundreds and thousands of thoughts every day. And for most of us, that's we don't even recognize or are aware of what we're thinking at times. I mean, this is why we have dreams at night, right? Because our mind is still going constantly. And and so what, for most people who don't have this condition, the thoughts just kind of go like clouds in the sky, like no big deal. Now, for someone with my condition, what could happen is that one of those thoughts, whatever it may be, could get caught in a sense in your thought process and get caught in the in a, in a loop in your mind and depending on how serious your condition is what could happen is that that thought could start getting buried down into your emotional state and it can cause tremendous fear tremendous anxiety and tremendous depression and i and i've experienced that many times throughout my life uh so for example how i've combined it with the devotion of divine mercy in our ladies because i have encountered in very beautiful ways uh Jesus and Our Lady's love in the midst of this, of getting caught in one of these anxiety attacks, in one of these OCD attacks, if you will. So for one example is when, and again, I was born, I think I was born with this, and I didn't know I had it. Uh, so early on in my, in my seminary journey, I was discerning a religious life. 
and I was in Rome dis- discerning the brothers of Minor Mary Immaculate, they were called at the time. And, you know, basically I go there, it's like a year in, a year after my encounter with Our Lady, and I, I literally step off the plane, and it just hits me all of a sudden. I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, am I really going to leave America, leave my family, leave my friends, move to Italy? I have no idea how to speak Italian and and like and become a brother in this order that i barely know anything about and i started going through all of these anxiety attacks uh in the midst of just like what am i doing here why am i really here and during the week to three and a half weeks i was over there what started to happen to me was that because of my condition which i didn't know i had is that the thoughts started to linger and catch into my mind that if i don't join this order if i don't um leave my family and my friends and i really give myself all the way to god here in italy then i'm turning my back on god i'm turning my back on his will uh i'll be outside of his favor i i could be in danger of hell i could be you know my life would be pointless because it's god's will for me to be here but i'm somewhere else and all of these thoughts started to get buried into my emotional state and i can't explain the fear and the anxiety and the torment that i was going through all of lies absolutely all lies but i didn't i was really early on in my journey didn't know i had ocd and it was just getting buried into my state literally father for like three weeks i lost about 12 pounds through this anxiety attack that i was going through now in the midst of that there was one time i was in the chapel this was like week, halfway through and i had my breviary because i was a seminarian and uh as a bookmark i had a divine mercy image now back then i didn't i knew about divine mercy i but i didn't know much about uh, the devotion i didn't know much about what jesus revealed through saint faustina about the image and the chaplet and the hour of mercy and all that uh but you know i knew enough to have it as a bookmark and there's one day i was like in the chapel by myself i was just in the absolute torment and fear and anxiety like physically can feeling it like the torment inside of me <clears throat> and i and all of a sudden i look at the divine mercy image and i lock eyes with jesus and it was really beautiful encounter where basically it's hard to explain, but right when I looked at Jesus's eyes, just he started to pour his love into my into my heart and into my mind, into my soul. And it was just like the reality that Jesus was real, the reality that Jesus uh, knew what I was going through, knew what I was feeling. It just hit me like in a very profound, powerful way, and I could just feel his love and be in, and and all of a sudden, all of that fear, all of that anxiety completely went away like immediately and it was it was was a small miracle for me because if anybody who knows anxiety and ocd knows that torment and it was gone instantly and the interesting thing after that though was that it was two and a half days later it came back it all came back it came rushing back and god taught me two things that day when it all came back was one was that there's absolute grace coming through that image which he promises through saint faustina there's literal grace in very powerful ways coming through the divine mercy image itself. And the second thing is, it was like the fact that I had the anxiety, God took it away and then he gave it back to me. It was almost like God was telling me, he was like, look, Colin, I know what you're going through. I know this is a heavy cross. And as you see, I can take this away anytime I want. I just took it away completely for two and a half days, but I'm going to be giving it back to you. And I need you to trust me. I need you to trust me that this, that though this is a heavy cross, that this is going to be for your greater glory, for for helping others in the future. And it, it just taught me, now that I look back on it, that, you know, all of our crosses are for a reason. Even, like, you know, God doesn't want pain and suffering and evil to happen to us at all. He allows it because of our free will. 
but like if we really give it to him like jesus is very clear about this in the gospels like carry daily you got to carry your cross after me he can bring a tremendous good out of it and it, it's taught me how to trust them in the midst of the tremendous crosses of this particular you know ailment that i have and other crosses in my, my life and i've experienced something uh, similar to our lady and that's and that's how uh where she re, she relieved a lot of the anxiety and fear that i was going through in a very powerful way at a moment and that's how i combined the the devotions and to and, and the actual mental health that i have and i'll lastly just say it's been beautiful because god revealed my ocd and consoled my ocd through supernatural if you will means but then he healed it and I still have a ways to go. I'm not completely free, but through just natural means of counseling and getting the help that you need. And so it's been a really beautiful journey for me in that area. I think about the Blessed Mother in the Gospels, for example, and when the angel comes to Mary, the angel says, do not be afraid. And so the angel says to Joseph, do not be afraid. And Jesus says that so many times when Peter is sinking in the water, fear not, I'm here. And so I think those are words that sometimes as we're facing different anxieties, we could almost just maybe hear the angel say those words to Mary, maybe close our eyes and meditate, place ourselves there. Or maybe we hear Mary say that to us as well. Do not be afraid. That's one of the things I love about the champion apparition. Mary told Adele to go and fear nothing for I will help you. And so maybe it's pausing too to remember this and to remember that I have nothing to fear. God is with me. Mary is praying for me. I'm surrounded by the angels and the saints and the powers of heaven. And and then we have the divine mercy. And that phrase at the bottom of that image is, Jesus, I trust in you. And And so when we do, again, have fears or anxieties or worries, well, we could just repeat that phrase, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in your plan for me. And so it seems that the devotion to Mary and, and Jesus in the divine mercy almost have it already built right into it to assist us in some capacity in that way. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Be not afraid is mentioned 364 days in our 600, 364 times in the, in the Bible, one for each day. It's not a coincidence. And you can look this up. This is a, and it, it, it is beautiful because we have to remember, like, God sees the past, the present, and the future as one present moment. That means, I mean, we can't wrap our minds around that, but that's just the reality, right? And that means everything that's happening in the world right now, everything that's happening in my life, in your life, or anybody who might be listening, God knew was going to happen before the foundation of the world, which means he has a plan. You know, we're living in a time of mercy and what that really means is that it's the math of the gospel. St. Paul says where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. we got to take that very seriously as Christians. It's the math of the gospel. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. What does that mean? That means that the darker it is, the more sin, the more evil, the more you know torment that's happening out there in the world. God is not going to be outdone by darkness, by sickness, by evil. So God is pouring out graces at a level and potency like never before in the history of the church. Why? Because the, that's what it means to be in the time of mercy. Where sin abounds, where evil abounds, grace abounds all the more. God is pouring out graces at a level and a potency like never before in the history of the church. 
God is not going to be outdone by what's happening out there. And, you know, so we've got to learn how to get encountered with that and understand and trust Jesus in that. Because he, he's our loving father in heaven who wants to take care of us, who knows what we're going through. He may be allowing some certain things to happen, but he allowed his son to die on the cross. And we know what happened after that. The resurrection happened. There's a greater good going on. I mean, mercy itself, mercy itself comes from the Latin word misericordia. Literally translated means to give one's heart to one who is in misery. So divine mercy in a real powerful way is Jesus pouring out his sacred heart to all of us who are in misery. And all of us are going through some pretty miserable times right now, which means God is pouring out levels and graces like never before. And this is what Jesus means when he said to St. Faustina, he wants, he wants his mercy to be a refuge. It's exactly what Mary said to, our, uh, to Lucia and Fatima, one of the visionary children. She said, I want my, my, she said, my immaculate heart will be your refuge. What does refuge mean? It's a place of shelter. It's safety, a place of comfort. In the, in, in the pursuit of danger, in, the, in, in, in unsafety. So many of us feel very unsafe right now with COVID, with whatever the situation may be uh, politically or, or what, like what they're going through individually. And God is calling and inviting us to allow his heart and our lady's heart to literally be a refuge, a place of safety, a place of comfort. They are truly our father and mother. Wow, those are powerful words you just said, and for us to really think about that. And and John, in his gospel, you know, he takes Mary into his home. So Mary takes John into his refuge, and so now we want... Uh, we want to have Mary as our refuge as well. We want to bring her into our home, and we want to find ourselves in the home of her heart as well. So uh, as you share about Our Lady and Divine Mercy and its relationship to mental health, you just here right now gave your testimonial in a sense. Is that what you do as you go about and share this? You give your testimonial, or or is there more to your, uh, or is there more to what you say uh, at an event, for example? So yeah, it's both. It's so basically what I usually do is I give a talk on Divine Mercy and Our Lady, uh, different theological understandings, but also and then I combine it with my testimony. So for example, with Divine Mercy, uh, you know, the, the, the fathers up in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, there, there's an order there that's been entrusted with the devotion to Divine Mercy. And they've come up with a beautiful acronym and a great acronym to, to really be able to do a helicopter view of the understanding. So basically, Jesus was appearing to Faustina Kowalska, uh, who's now a great saint in the church in the 1930s. And was a, Jesus was in saints and angels and Mary were, were appearing to her. And her spiritual director asked her to write down every time Jesus would appear to her or or a lady and to write down what's being said and what she's encountering. And so we have now what is known as the Diary of St. Faustina. And she's known as the Apostle of Divine Mercy. And so Jesus says so much about his love and his mercy and about uh, all of that within the midst of that diary with with these encounters that she had with him. Uh, But there's an easy way. There's, There's certain themes that are are uh really apparent in the in the in the gospel of jesus or, i'm sorry within the diary which jesus was revealing to her and so the acronym is if you can remember this small little word and really the small little bird finch f-i-n-c-h if you can remember that acronym 
you can remember how to start tapping into the tremendous graces that God is offering through the divine mercy devotion. So for, and this is the acronym that came again with the Father, so I didn't come up with it, but it's, it's genius. So the F is the Feast of Divine Mercy, and Jesus says all of this stuff about the Feast of Divine Mercy. The I is the image of Divine Mercy, hmm. and Jesus reveals a lot about the image. N is Novena, a Divine Mercy. The C is the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, and the H is the Hour of Divine Mercy. And you can focus on those on those themes, and Jesus has a lot to say. So in my talks, I'll, I'll focus on the acronym talk about the feast what he says the image novena chapel hour and i combine it with my what have i experienced through those various things as well very nice so yeah i've never heard the finch uh acronym before so that's a very powerful way to communicate the story of divine mercy as well and yeah you've given me so much to think about especially uh as we continue our work in ministry as a priest i hear confessions and so you know sometimes you have the scrupulous person in the confessional and how do you approach that then how do you help them address that uh with our lady with divine mercy etc so and i'm sure in your work with young adults you're communicating this to all of them and and helping them really to cope as well as they go through life no, absolutely. And it's like, because of my OCD, I've, I've struggled many times in my life with scrupulosity. And, you know, it's, it's a very hard thing. Like people who go through it know what I'm talking about. And divine mercy has helped me a lot, you know, in the sense that we can't save ourselves. It's not about us doing like God, like we, we know when we need to go and confess. And like, of course, we're responsible for our, for our actions. But like God, there's nothing that any of us have done that God won't forgive. And whenever we get trapped after the thought that, oh, God can't forgive this or, or this or that, like that's all coming from hell. That's literally coming from the devil. He does not want us to understand the love of the Father. And Our Lady helps us so much too. I would strongly recommend Marian consecration, uh, either using Father Michael Gately's 33 Days to Morning Glory. St. Louis de Montfort uh, has his, of course, he's the one that came up with the 33-day Marian consecration. Mary, all Marian consecration is, it's the easiest, simplest, most perfect way to heaven. It's the easiest, simplest, most perfect way to, to Jesus or son and i like to say it, it's really it's the easiest simplest most perfect way for the for the intimacy love uni communion that they were all looking for them we're all craving for uh god, god only god can satisfy the ache of the human heart for love intimacy union and communion and because of our free will there's only at times so much jesus and mary can do they're not going to force their love or their grace onto us so we got to ask for it we got to open ourselves up to it and mary in consecration really gives our lady full permission to come all in it very consecration is really as you already mentioned is letting mary into our home into our heart the way that happened at, with john into our refuge uh, so i strongly recommend and you know it, it, it's not a magic trick it's not like all of a sudden you do mary in consecration and life is grand no no of course not like we're, there's struggles going but the more you allow jesus and mary into your daily struggles the more that jesus is lit this is what jesus means like his yoke is easy his burden is light it's because they start helping us carry the crosses they start helping they start comforting us as a father and mother and it's it, and it's the 33 day is very practical because the more time you spend with someone the more you get to know someone right so like the more we spend time with jesus in the eucharist the more we get to know him the more we spend time with our lady and the 33-day consecration is a beautiful way to do it the more you get to know her uh so the, you know god has given us the tools that we need to get through what we need in this life and it's just a matter of us responding being open and acting on it 
You've given me a lot to think about. You have given the listeners a lot to think about as well in terms of devotion to Our Lady, to Divine Mercy. And if people want to learn more about you, Colin, do you have social media? Can they follow you? How how can people get in touch with you? Sure. Uh, uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, just under Colin Nicaza, uh or Divine Mercy and Our Lady is kind of like the hashtag um, that I use to... Uh, you know, if, if anybody's interested in connecting and yeah, I'd be happy to just to be able to either, you know, give a talk anywhere, or even if somebody has a question to feel free to email me, uh, over Facebook or uh, actually email is probably better because Facebook is, it's hard to keep with the, uh, with the, with the messages coming from there. Um, and if you ever want to get interested in our contact with our ministry in, in New York, it's all under Catholic NYC. So Catholic NYC, that's our, kind of brand for the Archdiocese in New York. And you'll see our, we have website, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all that. And you can also get connected through with me through that as well. Hopefully someone who might want to reach out will be able to do so through those ways. And I'm so grateful that we met. I didn't know you beforehand, before Washington, D.C., but grateful now to know you and to know your work and to be able to share that with so many others. And Father, thanks so much for having me on. It's been a joy to be with you. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you'd like to follow me on social media, I'd encourage you to do so. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at the handle at FR Edward Looney. You can visit my website, edwardlooney.com, to learn more about my books and to acquire them from the publisher. And if you have enjoyed the podcast, please do me a favor and review the podcast. Rate it on Apple Podcasts and write a review because that will help others to find it as well. Until next time, may we remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless. Mm -hmm.